You're listening to sermon audio from Landmark Christian Fellowship. To find out more about us, please visit lcflandmark.com. Thanks for listening, and we trust that this teaching will grow you in following the way of Jesus. Welcome here, everyone, and uh, it's good to be together. You can see that I've got this fancy badge on my shirt. Um, looks, uh, looks really nice. We, we celebrated Ike's 70th birthday yesterday, and so... Uh, uh, if Ike is watching this, we just want to wish Ike a happy birthday, and uh, aren't these great? So, I like Ike as well. So, I think these things are going to become collector's items at some point, but if we hold on to them long enough. Um, it's good to be together, and it's just, it's good to see uh, different faces here every Sunday, and, uh, and so... And, and to those of you that are watching, we want to welcome you as well, wherever you are. Um, pray that you're going to be blessed and strengthened in the grace of Jesus. So, uh, we have been, um, we, we kicked off a new series last week uh, called Presence, Formation, Witness, and with the aim that, that this series is going to be one that is going to be a tool to foster patterns of renewal within our lives. And we've been talking about that over the last little bit. And we're, we're talking about as how, as God's people, we are we're made for presence in our lives, pursuing more and more and more of God's presence. We are shaped by formation, meaning that we are given to the practice or the practices of being formed into the image of Jesus. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in the coming weeks, about practices that we do that bring us into formation. And and then we're also going to, we're talking about how we are defined by witness as God's people. That every single person as a follower of Jesus is called to be living on mission. That we are following the way of Jesus and we're inviting others into that way. And so we're going to look at that and and how we, we practically live that out. And the goal is that this is going to be releasing, or that maybe the expectation is this is going to be releasing in us more of God's heart and purposes in, within our hearts. And, and that, so that we're living integrated lives in, in wholeness and awareness of who we are and what God is doing within us and, and, and what's going on inside of us. And so we'll, we'll look at that because that's all tied to formation. That's tied to, to presence in our lives as well. And that we're we're experiencing healing and transformation in our lives, that it's a progressive work where God is healing us, he's transforming us, making us more like Jesus, that we're being honest with ourselves and with others about where we're at, how we're doing. And, and so this is bringing us um, into formation, into the way of Jesus, and uh, more in line with his character, that we're growing in the characteristics of Jesus as his followers, as his apprentices, if you will. And so that also means that we're going to deal with facing the pain, the sin and deficiencies that are within ourselves. All of us deal with that so that we're welcoming healing in our lives, so that we're welcoming God's presence, we're welcoming his formation into us. So, and, and you might ask, well, why? Why is that important? Well, so we're experiencing freedom in Jesus, that we're living in his freedom, that this is a present reality that we're invited into to live in the freedom and experiencing that in our lives and experiencing his presence in very real ways. And then we are being witnesses to others around us, examples. So last week we, we started all this off by talking about how kind of big picture, um, <laughs> okay, technical difficulties, there we go. Um, last week we, we kind of looked at big picture, how we are made for God's presence. Um, big picture as in the whole totality of scripture, that God's heart is for relationship with his people, right from the garden and right to the new heaven and the new earth that's coming. God's design and heart is for relationship. And that Jesus actually came back, came to this earth to restore us to relationship with the Father, that that is one of Jesus's main intents is that we would be restored to that relationship. And so this morning, we're going to kind of just shift slightly but stay in that track and talk about the pursuit of this relationship so that this is God's design. Now, how do we as his people, how do we pursue God's presence? And so that's what we're going to talk about. 
And last week when we, when we looked at sort of the progressive nature in Scripture of how God calls us to relationship and, and he, his, he's wanting to have his presence with his people, we left out Moses and the, the Israelites. And, and that's a pretty big part of the story of how God moved through his people. And so I want to talk about that this morning. We're going to be in Exodus 33. And I want to, I want to just give us a little bit of background to what transpires leading up to Exodus 33 and what happens in that chapter. So Moses is up on Mount Sinai just before this. He's receiving the law from the Lord. He's meeting with the Lord up there. And this is on the heels of Exodus 19, which if you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about Exodus 19 and how God said there, you will be my treasured possession, he said to the people. And the people's response to him at that time was, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. We want to be your people. We're going to obey you. So then Moses goes up on the mountain, and then he's delayed. And the people go to Aaron, and they're restless, they're bored, they're distracted, their focus is clearly off the Lord, they're just kind of doing their own thing, and they say, we want you to make us a God who's going to go before us. We want you to make us something that we can worship and bow down to. And, like, incredibly, Aaron listens to them. And says, okay, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> and so they, they gather up all their gold and they make the golden calf, right? And they, they make this, this image to worship. The interesting thing is they actually added it to their worship. They didn't just say, okay, we're done worshiping God. We're done worshiping the Lord. Now we're going to worship this golden calf. Actually, they add it to their worship and they, they pervert their worship for the Lord. Because Aaron then says to them, he says, tomorrow, as, when he's created this idol, he says, tomorrow's going to be a feast to the Lord. We're going to have a feast to the Lord with the golden calf. So, so there's this mixing, and it says that they rose up early. Like they were eager to serve this idol. They couldn't wait to get before a golden calf. They had given extravagantly of their resources for this. Now I want to just, as we're thinking about this, think about that, what transpired there, transpose that onto what's happening in our culture Right now, what's been happening for a long time, and even amidst God's people, when we're bored, when we're distracted, and, and when we're looking at other things. Because again, it wasn't wholesale rejection of God. They didn't say, okay, we're done with God. It was a mixture of idolatry and serving God that the people brought together. It, and it was centered around their pleasure and their ideas. This is what we want. This is what we're going to do. And so Moses comes down to all this from meeting with God. Can you imagine? He's met with God. He comes down and he sees this and he basically goes all Hulk rage on the people. Like he literally just throws down the tablets and says, I'm done. And he just goes rage on the people. He's so, so upset. And God sends judgment on the people. God does bring judgment on the Israelites. That gets us to Exodus 33. That's what is going on. And what transpires in Exodus 33, I want to propose, is a, it, for us a model of how we can pursue God amidst a very idolatrous culture, amidst lots of stuff going around us. We can, this is, shows us how we can pursue God. And it's not a formula. This is, I'm not talking about a formula. I'm talking more of maybe a template if you will, of how we can do this. And it reveals conditions in which God moves and responds to his people. And we see that through Exodus 33. And so as we go through this, the question that I want to put before us and ask this morning is, what can we learn of pursuit for God or of God in this chapter? So let's read the first four verses of Exodus 33. The Lord said to Moses, Depart, Go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your offspring I will give it. So again, God's saying, there's a covenant that I've made with you, and I'm going to honor that covenant. I will send an angel before you, 
And I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. But I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. Let's just stop there. That's a bit of a rebuke that the Lord is giving the people. Just just a, a smidge of a rebuke, if you will. So, pursuit of God. Oh, you know, sorry, I want to go on. I need to read verse 4. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned and no one put on his ornaments. So pursuit of God begins with pleading for God's presence. That's what the people did when they heard what the Lord said. They mourned, they turned to the Lord, and they began to plead with him. See, verse 2, when it says, when God says, I'm going to send an angel up before you, that wasn't God's presence. In fact, he says, I'm not going to go up with you. I'll send an angel before you. He'll go with you. I'll honor my covenant to you, but I'm not going with you, actually. I'm not giving you my presence. I'll, I'll give you the promised land, but I will not be with you, he's saying, in a close and a personal way. And this is a crucial moment for God's people right here. Because what he's basically putting before the people is, are you going to be satisfied with this arrangement? Is, you can have the blessing. I'm going to give you the land of milk and honey. You're going to come into it. You can have my protection. Will that suffice for you? Are you satisfied with that? Or do you want more? That's the question before the people of God. So, and that's the question before us right now. Are we satisfied? Or do we want more? Because self-sufficiency and comfort and wealth and technology and safety and health and retirement funds and vacations and just go down the list, whatever that list is, all those factors can lead us and, and will, can influence us to live practically right now in our culture with very little dependence on God. It is right now possible in the current way that we are living that we can live with very little dependence on God. And that's a danger for every single one of us right now. But the question we have to ask is, will any of that stuff, any of those those things happening in our lives, will that provide fulfillment purpose, and joy ultimately in our lives. And we might tend to think, well, and and I know I I can sometimes be given to think this way. Maybe we just need the progressive removal of some of these things. Maybe it just needs to get a little bit more difficult, just increasingly difficult, where we're going to be called to, to have to call upon the name of the Lord. And, you know, when things get bad enough, then we'll pursue God. You ever, you ever tempted to think that way? Like, culture's just got to get really, really bad. Things have just got to get progressively worse. And then there's going to be a turning. Maybe. But what if, in the midst of our culture, in spite of all the comforts, in spite of all the temptations, we choose to live differently? And we choose to foster spiritual renewal in our lives in the midst of everything that's happening and around us? What if we foster desperation for God's presence in our lives, even when we know there's a temptation to remain very comfortable? Do we want what God can give us, or do we simply want God himself? Because pleading for God's presence reveals the longing of our hearts. I'm not satisfied God, I want more. I want more of you. Because one of the questions being asked here is what is the value of blessing if God is not with you? What is the value of blessing? Jesus said you can, you know, you can, you can gain the whole world but you lose your soul. What's, what's that worth? And what Jesus is saying ultimately it's worth nothing. God's people realized that God's presence with them, they realized here when God put this before them, their reaction was they said they heard the disastrous word and they mourned and they didn't put on their ornaments. 
They realized that God's presence with them was infinitely more valuable than what he could give them. This is, this, and this, okay, this is really interesting. Last night, I was sitting and I was doing some kind of just final looking through my sermon and, and I got to this point and I was like, there's something here that's missing. I'm like, God, I just, there's something here in this point that I, I feel like I'm missing. And so I said, what do you want? What do you want here? And I didn't know what Jen was going to say this morning. I actually didn't know the complete song list even this morning. We had kind of been back and forth and I had left it in her hands saying what the Lord puts upon your heart. And I felt the Lord say, I want you to go to Psalm 84. So when you read that this morning, I was like, whoa. And it's interesting because I put it here in my notes. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts? Because this is the heart for God that drove David to write this psalm. The heart was for God's presence above all things. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts? My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. And then I jump down. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. And that's why I felt the Lord said, that's what, Paul, that's where, you, that's where we need to go. Because see, a, a day in your courts, yes, it can, we can kind of re- refer to church like that. Like we're coming into the, into the place of God to meet with God. And that's a, the, in his courts, yes. But there's a bigger picture to all that. And the bigger picture for David was he's talking about God's presence. He's talking about being in your presence as your people. It's better than anything. So it's pleading with God. We want your presence. We don't just want stuff. We want you. Pursuit of God, secondly, here we see it involves repentance. I want to read verses 4 to 6. So we read verse 40. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. Whoa. So take off, and so now take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. That is so interesting. Therefore, the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. Okay, you're like, what are we talking about ornaments here? Like, are they, are they putting on like little Christmas balls on themselves? Or like, what are they doing? We, right? Because we got to like, what, what, is, what do we mean by ornaments? We don't, we, don't, we don't really get that. But this is a rebuke from the Lord on the people. And he's, well, God is saying, this is a reality check for you. Like, this is where, what's going on, folks. Pay attention. This is what God's saying to the people. This is the overflow of your hearts. You're a stiff-necked people, he says to them. You're resisting God. That's really what he's getting at here. There's the, that, when they're talking about that, there's this picture of an ox that when, when an ox doesn't want to go somewhere, it stiffens its neck. And it's like, I'm not going, the animal will say. That's what God is, is talking about here with the people. You're stiffening your necks. You don't want to go in the way that you should go. We've got our dog, Bruno. He did this last night to me, late at night. I needed to take him for a walk. And he decided, I'm not going. Like, I don't want to go. And so he is like stiffening his neck and trying to put down his paws, all four of them, on the driveway. Like, he doesn't want to move. And I'm looking, I'm going, really? Like, you really think that you're going to be able to, like, resist me? You're going. And so I began to drag him, literally drag him down the driveway. It's almost like God gave me, like, I think he purposely allowed Bruno to do this last night. Because, like, it was, like, like, so obvious. And I'm dragging him, and as I get to the gravel, he's still not going. Like, at this point, he still hasn't, like, let up. He's still, like, I'm not going. So I'm dragging him, dragging up gravel. And, I, and, and finally I go, okay, you really don't want to go, dog. I'm like, fine, we're not going. And I turned around, and as soon as we turned around, guess what? He, oh, I'm happy to go now. I'm going my way. Like, what an interesting picture, stiffening the neck. But this is about what, what in, repentance is about with pursuit of God is it's confronting our sin. It's be, and it's becoming aware of it. 
Which, how do, you, how do you become aware of what's going on inside of you and what God is, is wanting to highlight? That's, how do you do that? Right? It takes time. You have to become aware of what's going on in your heart. You have to stop. You have to begin to listen to what's going on inside of you. You have to begin to listen to the voice of the Lord and what he's wanting to speak to you. The people here... When they heard that word, they mourned. They made room to hear what God wanted to say to them. Yes, it was a strong rebuke. They made room to hear, okay, what does God want to say to us? It's both on an individual level and it's actually on a, on a body level, on a community level, even if you will. God moves we're going to talk about this more in formation and, and cultivating practices of confession in our lives. But God moves as people begin to repent. Confession of sin is an ongoing practice for those who are following the way of Jesus. It is an ongoing practice. And you have to cultivate it in your life. In your life. Do you know how difficult it is to sit around with people and go, okay, now we're going to confess our sin? How's it going? I, I, I do that. I don't like doing that. It's very uncomfortable. And you have to check your heart and, and, and you have to go, okay, what, what is God highlighting that I need, to, and I, I, need, I need to put this now and I need to confess this and bring it into the light. So there was no putting on of ornaments. What does it, again, what does that mean? Well, they, the people had this culture of putting on jewelry all over, and it was very much part of the culture where they would adorn themselves with lots of these external things. And what we see here is that what it's highlighting is this isn't about the external appearance. The people realize that stuff just isn't important anymore. Right relationship with God is the focus. It's not about how I look on the outside anymore. And so on one level, repentance is about stripping ourselves of the external displays that we present. It's letting down our guard. It's, it's actually a willingness to come and be vulnerable and transparent. In, in Mark 7, Jesus is, is having this discussion with the Pharisees, and Jesus rebukes them for all their external rules. It's actually a really hard rebuke that he gives them. And you know what it was there in Mark 7 that he rebukes? Of all things, we'll get this. He rebukes them for their obsession with hand washing. He says, you guys are so obsessed with hand washing and all your rules around hand washing and being clean. He says it right in Mark 7. I was like, oh, that's kind of relevant right now. And he says, you know, he was, what he was addressing with the Pharisees was their lip service and their outward appearances. And he was getting in Mark 7 to the condition of the heart. And he talks there about the thoughts, the actions, the motivation, the judgment of others, materialism, deception, pride, attitudes towards others. Just, it's a, he goes down the list there, Jesus says, and he says, this is what's important. Stop worrying about your cleanliness and your external displays. What's going on in here? Pursuing God involves a desire to deal with the issues in our hearts. Dallas Willard, he says this, the heart is precisely what God observes and addresses in human beings. He cares little or nothing for outward show. He responds to the heart because it is above all who we are, who we choose and have chosen to be. You know, one, one of the ways that we can approach this and one of the things that we can do to ask ourselves is look in the Gospels and go, what commandments of Jesus am I living out? Like, really, what commandments of Jesus am I really living out? What, which commandments of Jesus am I not living out? And I know I'm not living them out. And what am I doing about that? And keeping, it's like keeping a journal of that, being intentional, keeping a journal of these are the things that I'm doing and I'm growing in. These are the things I'm not doing. I know I'm not doing them. And what am I doing about that to grow? That's being a disciple of Jesus. Pursuit of God, number three, involves intentional decisions to draw close. I'm gonna read verses seven to 11 here. 
Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. So pursuit of God involves intentional decisions to draw close. Hearts turn to the Lord, responding in repentance. What does Moses do? Moses says, okay, this is what's going on. We need to make a tent of meeting. We need to meet with God. And it's about restoring relationships. See, it says in verse 7, everyone who sought the Lord there would go out. Everyone who wanted to seek the Lord would go into that place. And it's interesting because the tabernacle wasn't built yet. Right? God had given Moses the plans for the tabernacle. This is what I want you to do. But it wasn't built yet. It wasn't ready. And Moses is like, no, relationship can't wait. The tabernacle isn't built, but we need to meet with the Lord. We need to have a place where we can go and we can meet with the Lord. And so he says, let's, let's make this tent of meeting. It involves engagement and action on the part of the people. Let's go out and let's seek the Lord. Intentional pursuit of God's presence that involves action is always met by response from God. And it's interesting because they say that the tent, it says that the tent was outside the camp. And the question there is, is who's going to go out and make the effort to draw close to the Lord? There was a going out that had to happen. It was about a personal encounter with God, if you will. It wasn't about, I'm just along for the ride with the rest of the people. I'm just enjoying this. No, it was about, I'm making an intentional effort. I am going to meet with the Lord. I myself, I want to meet with God. I'm going out. This is about encountering God's presence in our lives, personally, experientially, carving out this time in our lives. How do you carve out this time in your life to meet with God? So this is where formation integrates with presence, if you will. Where the spiritual disciplines in our lives are the means by which we are intentional in the pursuit of God's presence. We're fostering spiritual disciplines in our lives, this formation into the way of Jesus that is actually integrated with encountering his presence. I want to encounter God. It's about growing and being formed into the way of Jesus. Edwin Friedman, he was a, a rabbi and a family systems theorist, um, if, if you know what that might mean. I'll, I'll explain a little bit. But he, so he studied culture and the impact on families. That was sort of his focus uh, for all of his research in his life. And he observed the way, and he wrote about it, the way that toxic anxiety spread systematically through Western culture. And, and he wrote this quite a while ago. He didn't write this just recently, which is also very interesting given what we're seeing in culture. But he said this, contemporary culture has become so chronically anxious that our society has gone into emotional regression. And, and so he talked about these five characteristics of this emotional regression in culture. And the first was, he says, that it's reactivity. Meaning that we, we see in culture these intense reactions to external situations with emotional outbursts. What are we seeing right now in culture? And it exists in a state of reactivity, culture does, driven by external events. So we're just reacting to what's happening in culture. And there's just this reactivity that's, that's being given birth in society. And that leads to hurting 
talked about how despite our ideology of individualism, which is rampant in our culture, our emotional reactivity and social natures drive us to others. We can't help it. We just, we need to be with others, even though we, we think that we want to be just completely focused on individualism. And so we actually begin to act in this state of anxiety. We begin to act in herd-like ways together with other groups. And we're driven into these groups. And so there, there's this mob mentality that begins to take shape in society. And, and you know, he says one of, the, one of the effects of this is you can't offend anyone. Can't say anything about anyone lest you offend someone. Yet he didn't write this like yesterday. He didn't write this even five years ago. And he says, then that gives way to blame displacement, where instead of examining underlying causes for our toxic culture, we focus on symptoms. We're just focused on symptoms. And, And so we view this, all these things happening in isolation, and there's this suffocating fear of offending anyone. Don't want to offend anyone. And then he says, we also then, the, the, the next characteristic is a quick fix mentality begins to take shape in culture. Where in, within a culture of hedonism, meaning a culture of pleasure, a culture that's driven by pleasure and the pursuit of it, because of that, we have created for ourselves a low pain threshold. We just can't take pain. We don't know what to do with pain. How, do you, how many of you like, see that happening in culture? We don't want to persevere, if you will, through the pain through the renew- to the renewal that we need in culture. And so he, he, he theorized that quick fix solutions don't deal with root issues. And so he says, you know what he said? I found this fascinating. Like he wrote this like 20 years ago. We become addicted to technology. We become addicted to more commentary and more information. We see those three things as the cure for what's going to fix us. How's it working? And he says, the last characteristic is a lack of well-differentiated leadership. So we've created an environment in culture where that works against leaders and the kind of leadership that would push through the cultural toxicity into renewal. We've, we've created a, a system where for leaders to do that is almost next to impossible. Now again, he wrote all this and he was not coming at it from the perspective of the kingdom of God advancing on this earth, the need for Jesus and his presence. But I read this and I went, the impact of this on our lives and in our culture right now is profound. And it highlights the desperate need that we have to encounter God's presence. We need to encounter God. We need God to move. That, that's simply, like we need God to move. And so the importance of carving out this time in our lives, we are going to be intentional in drawing near to God and in our pursuit of him. Carving that out in our lives, in our families, in our, with our children, It's crucial if we're going to push back against what's happening in culture. Let's read verses 12 and 13. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you also have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. Pursuit of God involves boldly pressing in. After all of this that had happened, after the people, they mourn, they draw near to God, they they operate in repentance, after there's an intentional decision to begin to draw near to God, to have this tent of meeting where we can go and encounter God's presence, Moses presses God. Like he says, I want your presence to be close to us. We need this. He wants a guarantee. Like this is bold for Moses to come to the Lord like this. It can almost, if you read that and you go, that's like a little bit on the verge of rude. Like, do you know who you're talking to? 
Moses is pressing in. He's like, I'm about to bring this people up into the promised land, God. If I'm going to go and I'm going to lead this people, if I'm going to bring them, I don't want to rely on my own resources. Why? Because I can't do it. He's saying, I, I really can't do it, God. So it's, God, if we, if we want to move into the purposes and the calling that you have for us right now, as individuals, as a church, as a community, as a region, if we're going to move into this work of renewal, into a deep work of renewal that we need, we don't want to look to ourselves to do it. God, we need you. Like that's, I read that and go, God, we need you. We cannot go up and do this on our own. We don't even want to. We need God's presence and his direction. And this is a state that we're invited to keep coming back to in our lives. This isn't a one-time deal. This is a, we keep going back to the Lord as we live our lives. God, I need you. I need, I can't do this. We keep boldly pressing in. And I, this is a great example in scripture of boldly pressing into God. God is not offended by this. He wasn't offended at Moses. God didn't say, how dare you speak to me like that, you human. He didn't do that. We need to keep pressing and realizing our own deficiencies, learning dependence on the power of God, and that we need God's power. And I, I recognize, folks, I need a revelation of that. Like, I need a, a much deeper revelation of that in my life, that I need God's power. In verse 16, I'm not going to read all this, but there's this back and forth between the Lord and with Moses. But verse 16 says, uh, Moses says, For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. The grammar's a little bit clunky there in the Hebrew, but the point is, it's God's presence with his people that makes them distinct. That's still the case. It is God's presence with us in his people. That is what makes us distinct as God's people on this earth. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us as followers of Jesus. That is what makes us distinct from every other people. And it's not a thing about ego or bragging about that. This is about realizing I actually can't do it without the Holy Spirit inside of me. Can't do it. And, and when, it, when Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 6, when the Lord says that to us, that the temple of the Holy Spirit, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You carry the very presence of God within you. The very next verse says, and this is the implication, you are not your own. You're not your own. This life is not about you. This life is not about your pleasures, your desires, and just living for yourself. You are actually bought with a price. So live and glorify God with your body. And this is why presence is tied to mission in our lives. We're carriers of his presence. This is why we are to be defined by, by mission. Because we carry God's presence within us. Why? We carry God's presence so that we can go and we can be a light to others. That is, that is the whole intention that God has for his people. And that, that shift of we are carriers of God's presence, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, he's living inside of us, we are called to go. That shift needs to happen in the Western church. That is the shift that needs to happen for us, where there is a shift that goes, we are living on mission, we're not comfortable, we're not going to remain comfortable, we're actually willing and it's going to cost us. That will, there will be a cost to that. But it's living in, led by, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And this is why when we, living and functioning in this, this is why repentance is, is so crucial for us. 
dealing with sin, dealing with the brokenness in our lives. Why? Because it's the cleansing as we deal with that stuff, as we receive the cleansing from God, we receive his forgiveness that draws us back to God. Constantly, it's, it's about an invitation. Come back into my presence. Tear down those barriers in your life that are keeping you from me. I want you to encounter me. Yeah, I won't. I will, uh, well, I want to get into it, but I won't. <laughs> Luke 11. All I'm going to say is Luke 11. There's a charge there that Jesus, where he says to us, keep asking, keep seeking, keep pounding on the door. Just keep asking. You know what he says then? then? How much does the, the Father, does the Father desire to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's how he concludes that whole thing in Luke 11. Like, I just... The Father wants to give you his presence. Keep pressing in. And verse 17 here, as Moses, like he's pressing in, God responds to Moses and he gives Moses what he was pressing in for. He gives him the guarantee of his presence. He says, okay, I'm go- I will go with you. I will give you my presence. Like Moses was just like, he just, he wouldn't let go. Like God, you got to do this. And God said, okay. And he says, I know you. He says there to Moses, I know you by name. It's about relationship. All right, the last, last way that we pursue God. I want to read verse 18. Moses said, very simply, this is it. Moses said, please show me your glory. So after all that, Moses presses in, God responds, and Moses says, I want to see your glory. Please show me your glory, God. Pursuit of God involves unceasing hunger for God. Everything that the people had pleaded for, everything they had petitioned for, everything that Moses asked for, God had done. God relented. God gave, he saw the, the posture of their hearts. He saw how they responded and he said, okay, I'm gonna go up with you. I'm gonna give you my presence. I'm with you. You're my people. I know you by name. And Moses doesn't stop there. Moses keeps pressing in. He desires more of God. This is a personal hunger just on the part of Moses. Like Moses is like, this isn't about just what you're going to do for us corporately. This isn't about what you're going to do with your people. I want you, God. I want to see your glory. Like I read this, the, the progression of this chapter is stirring. The way it progresses and the way Moses keeps going after God. But this is the mark of renewal and spiritual hunger or restoration in our lives. Yes, like we can and we should pray for many things. We should, we, should, we should be seeking the Lord to move in various things and we can we put various needs before him. We can ask God to be with us. We can ask God to bless us. Yeah, we should. But how much do we know of this kind of desire right here for God's presence? That beyond all that stuff, we're going, God, just show us your glory. We just want your glory. God, we want to know you and we want to know your presence. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he wrote this. Revival is not the church being blessed and being conscious of God's presence and being enabled to her work. Revival goes beyond all of that. Revival and the work of renewal is simply experiencing the presence of God and being completely and utterly satisfied with that. And to this cry of hunger and desire on Moses' part, this is what God says. I will make all of my goodness pass before you. He says, God's nature is not like some yin and yang thing where like his parts of mercy and justice and wrath are balanced by his love and his goodness and his faithfulness. And somehow those two things just kind of balance each other out like a, that's not God. That's not the nature of God in scripture at all. 
The nature of God is that he is inherently, completely, utterly good. And he says to Moses, I'm going to let all of my goodness pass before you. I'm, I'm going to, uh, I was thinking about this yesterday, and I, I want to develop something around in this series. I, I, something in Romans 8 about how God works all things together for good. We have such a need to understand that, how that doesn't mean everything goes right. But it means that God is working all things for his, for his good. Ultimately, it's all for good. And we, and we need to grasp that because is the coronavirus good? No. Is God, has this been brought on and somehow God, this, we can say, oh, this is good. No. And we don't have, we actually don't have to say that. We can fully depend on God and we don't have to say that. God is entirely good. And he says to Moses, I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. Speaks to God's character and nature. That's what he's getting at here. I'm, I'm gonna, what he's saying to Moses is, I'm going to give you a deeper understanding of myself. That's what you need, Moses. You need a deeper understanding of who I am. So I was, I was listening to a podcast yesterday with Daryl Johnson. Uh, he's a pastor and preacher. He actually, he wrote uh, best commentary on Revelation I've ever read, Discipleship on the Edge. Amazing, amazing commentary. I was listening to him. He was sharing on Philippians 4. And he said, out of that, that's that, you know, don't, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. You know, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But the words before that are, the Lord is at hand. Or another way to interpret that, to understand is the Lord is near. And he said, we right now, he said, I feel like in this current situation we're in in the world, we need to hear the Lord is near. And I heard that, and, and personally that resonated with me really deeply. I said, like, yeah, I need to hear that. Like the Lord is near. Week to week, there's so many announcements and decisions, and we wait for things, and we wait for how are we going to respond to this, and how are we going to respond to that, and, and, and what's my reaction going to be to this, and there's, oh my goodness, like the plethora of stuff out there, social media is just like, it's, it's endless. What, what's the federal government going to say? What's the provincial government going to say this week? What are schools going to look like in the fall? What are the reopenings going to look like for us, for teachers, for parents? Oh my goodness, like what's that going to even, how are we going to do that? What's going to be the impact on the economy in the coming years? Like, like the, the debt that we're racking up, how's that all going to play itself out? Like all never-ending questions. What about the second and the third waves that might come? Oh, this is happening now in South Korea. Oh, this is happening in Beijing. Oh, oh how's that going to work in Canada? And like on and on and on and on. And there's this unsettledness in the culture. We, we feel this, like there's an unsettledness. And I, we need to be honest about that. There's an unsettledness that we're feeling right now and we don't know what to do with it. And there's anti-renewal systems at work within our culture that are trying to explain it that leave us wanting because they don't explain anything. They, they leave us with nothing. What we need to hear is the Lord is near. Whatever comes, the Lord is near. And I am rooted and I'm standing on that truth. The Lord is near. That's, that's good news. Like I, that is, for me, that was really just because it's truth, it's scripture. I was like, the Lord is near. And I think what the Lord is saying to us in these days is, I will give you a much deeper understanding of myself. I want to do that for you as my people. If you allow me, I will do an incredible work of renewal and transformation in your heart. Do you want it? Will you pursue my presence 
Will you do this? Will you allow this to push yourself into me in such a way that you go deeper and deeper and deeper? So I want to leave us with some questions that we can put before the Lord this week and I think are really good to stir us into what's, again, what's going on. Will I plead for more of God's presence? Put that question before yourself. Will I, will I do that? Where is God calling me to repentance? Where am I going to allow the Lord to actually call me to that? How will I make intentional time this week to draw close? And how will I quiet my heart and make time to listen to God? Which is sort of quieting your heart and listening to God sort of encapsulates all of that so you can, we can hear the Lord in that. So I want to, I want to, just as we end, I want to invite Jen up and I want to invite us to quiet our hearts right now. And wherever you are, if you're here, if you're listening, let's quiet our hearts and let's, let's open ourselves to the Lord and the question that I want to put before us this morning is right, for right now, go away with those other questions. Where do I long to experience God's presence in my life? Like just, just quiet your hearts and just where do I long to experience God's presence right now in my life? And let's invite him to come. Holy Spirit, I am thankful and I'm so encouraged that we can ask you to come. And it doesn't matter if we're here physically present right now or whether we're watching through a screen. We can invite the presence of the Holy Spirit to be with us. So God, we want to just allow room. We want to ask you that you would search our hearts and that we would, you would show us, you would show us where am I desperate to encounter more of your presence? Let's just block out distractions. Let's just block out anything that wants to right now compete for attention in our minds. Things that want to distract us. God, we want to wait on you. We want to wait on you because we recognize that your presence is what we need. listening to sermon audio from Landmark Christian Fellowship. We hope that this material served to help you grow in following the way of Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit lcflandmark.com.